It's lovely to see you here on this Rise and Build 2019, which is very exciting. And uh, I'm really excited to see what Jesus is going to do in this place. Very good welcome if you're here for the first time or if you're here for the millionth time. It's wonderful to have you here this morning. And uh, so we do this uh, every year. We have uh, a cup and how best we can prepare this platform, this building that's not the church. It's just a tool. It's just a platform that God's given us in order to, to step into a new season with him. And uh, we're doing this across the life. Um, and so there's lots of it. vision. You'll see in your brochure that, that God's put on our hearts from across all locations. And we're going to start off with a quick that we've got for this morning. It's week two of Rise and Build. Today is about resourcing the vision and mobilizing the church. As leaders, we are deeply grateful for everyone who has stood with us through the years. Your giving has enabled us to do so much. Nehemiah had a great vision, but all the people had to be willing to get involved. This year, we again have big plans, and we're once again asking everyone to be involved. Today is a day of practical involvement. Our talk is from Jeremiah chapter 29. We will look together at two things, individual responsibility and flourishing community. Let's do some dreaming together today. What would our communities look like if we each take responsibility in terms of our time, talents and treasure? I'm expecting that God will raise us all up as willing people who are ready to make a difference. It's time to rise and build. I reckon he was going to say amen then. And then it cheekily stopped with the adoring look of Irene to Stuart. I love that. Grab your Bibles, please, and uh, turn to Jeremiah 29. Last week, we introduced this theme of Rise and Build, and we looked at why we do this. And we saw it's all about knowing Jesus, growing in that relationship with Jesus, and then going out with the love of Jesus, that it is all about Jesus. The Rise and Build flows from loving him and enjoying him and magnifying him. And then we looked at the Great Commission and saw the command for every single Christian to go and make disciples, that it isn't just a a great suggestion it's the Great Commission. And we looked and unpacked that together this, uh, last week. And then we referred to going from here to there. And we're going to touch a bit on that this morning as well. But these are some uh, verses in Jeremiah 29. And we'll start from verse 1. I just want to put it in the context. Uh, and then verses, I think, 4 to 7 will come up on the screen. But I'm just going to read a few verses either side of that as well. So these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan and Gamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And it said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, 
Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we welcome you here. Father, we come before you and just say, speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, breathe life into these words on this page. I pray for every heart in this room. May we be open to what you want to say. I pray any preconceived ideas, any sense of having you boxed up, boxed in, will be smashed this morning as we come and just sit at your feet, God, and want to hear you through your words, speak into our lives, speak into this location, speak into this town and this church. Come, Holy Spirit, Lord, please. And I just pray these things in your glorious saving name. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is talk about God's heart for people, God's heart for towns, cities, villages. And I want us to be challenged about what our expectation is for the potential that what God can do through us as a local church, through all the churches in this town. And this famous passage in Jeremiah 29, which is probably famous just because of verse 11, but when you place verse 11 into its context, it explodes even greater with power. Because the context is this, Jeremiah is prophesying to a group of people who are disillusioned, detached and disappointed with God. They've been taken into exile. The the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, have defeated Jerusalem. They've demolished the uh, temple. And all these exiles have now become prisoners of war. And they're living in an alien land with an alien people in a place they didn't want to live. And it's into this place that God prophesies these words. And as they heard these words, they would have been outraged and shocked at God's love. As God prophesied over them and said, in this very place, I want you to love the Babylonians. In this very city that you never chose to live in, you need to pursue the welfare of that city. And these exiles suddenly would have been stirred up and shocked that God's hand was upon their lives. Even when they lived in a place they'd never chosen to live, God was saying, I have a purpose and a plan for you in that place. It would have shaken them up. And the reason God spoke these words over them was because they needed to be reminded of his love for people. You see, the Babylonians would have mocked them, laughed at them, and just thought God was irrelevant and meaningless. If your God really is who he says he is, how could we have defeated you so easily and destroyed your temple? If your God really is who he says he is, why are you in those chains? Why are you prisoners of war? God was marginalized, on the periphery. He was seen irrelevant. 
Sound familiar? And it's into that context of society that God, through Jeremiah, speaks these words. And I want to say to you this morning, many of us just have too small a vision for our lives. You see, God loves Grantham. He loves every single person in this town. Every single person, regardless of what they think about him, is deeply loved by God. They're gloriously and wonderfully made by the creative Savior. And we need to grasp that and allow that to sink into our hearts. He loves the brokenhearted in this town. He loves the suffering in this town. He loves the desperate in this town. He loves the wealthy in this town. He loves those who feel comfortable and think they can do life without him in this town. He loves the drug addicts in this town. He loves the homeless in this town. He loves the marginalized and abused in this town. He loves the criminals in this town. He loves the drug dealers in this town. He doesn't love what they do, but he loves them. And he has a heart of compassion towards them. And he's speaking over them a love song, longing for them to know him and be transformed by him. He loves the politicians in this town. He loves the council in this town. He loves the emergency services in this town. He loves the teachers in this town. He loves every person in the offices in this town. He loves every person in factories in this town. He loves every single person in Grantham. And when you begin to grasp the love of God, suddenly your heart shifts that it isn't simply about your family and immediate friendship group. There's a massive mission field in this town to reach for Jesus. Jesus wept twice from what I can see in the Gospels. One time in John 11 when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus. And he sees Lazarus has has died and he knew he'd died and he knew what was going to happen. But I think in that moment, Jesus is so overwhelmed by the individual broken life of his dear friend and the impact of sin and brokenness of this world he came to save with those mourning without hope that he just wept. It's a great verse to learn because it's the shortest one. Jesus wept. (laughs) It broke him. And there's another time when he's walking into Jerusalem and he sees a city. It's not individuals now. He sees a city and he weeps over the city. And he says, why, Jerusalem, have you not seen me for who I am? He wept. He wept over the individual, but he wept over the city. And I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to provoke you. Because this is what God's been doing in my heart. It's easy, to, it's easy to weep over an individual, but do you even weep over this town? Is there something in your heart that's stirring in you saying, God, I want you to do something in this town for people I may never meet, may never know, can do nothing for me, but I long for you to know them, for them to know you. This is God's heart. This is a supernatural heart where our lives become broader than simply our families and our friends. It's like, God, I want to do something for those I'll never meet. And I want them to know you. And this is God's heart for this town. Do we have it? And it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And Jeremiah is prophesying to these people saying, 
This is the heart that God wants you to have for Babylon. And I want to ask you, are you so inward looking that you just think about me, myself and I? I'm not saying that's not important. Please don't hear me, miss it me. But if all you focus on is the immediate, you're going to miss something of God's heart for this town. And I just want to pick up these two things that we see in this passage. Just two things that these guys refer to, on the, that Irene and Stuart refer to in the intro. And this is all about rise and build, in case you're wondering where he's going with it. <laughs> this is all about rise and build. The first thing is individual responsibility. We see that in these verses. He prophesies over this exiled people and says, God wants you personally to take responsibility for the city you're living in and to develop a heart for it. Two words from these verses. The first word is sent. Sent. You see, we can so easily mishear this or miss miss this as we read this passage. He's prophesying over these people and saying, God has a plan and a purpose for you, even in Babylon. His sovereign hand is on your life. He sent you there. You see, in verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to to all the exiles, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is huge. This will transform your perspective on where you live and your heart for where you live. God is saying to these exiles, he's saying over us, I've not abandoned you. There's no accidents in me. There's no coincidences in me. I'm the sovereign God who has his hand upon your life. And I have a purpose and a plan, even in exile. I have a purpose and a plan for your life. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't given up on you. I am in total and complete control. I've sent you, even there. And could it be that there's people here this morning? Well, I know there are. (laughs) I've chatted to many people. And they they say things like to me, I haven't got a clue how I ended up in Grantham. You know, people here just like, I haven't got a clue how I've just journeyed this and, and, and God's brought us to this town. But we just know something of his hand has led us here. And you've been sent here for purpose. And you may have been born here, you may have been bred here. And you've had the privilege of growing up in this incredible town that we get to live in now. And you need to know God sovereignly sent you to this town. And there's a purpose and a plan over your life that is far bigger than what we may think about now. He is the sovereign king. And that's where that verse 11 comes in. For I know the plans I have for you. He's speaking that to a nation. But this morning he's speaking it to you and to me and to this location. He's saying, I've got plans for you. You're not here by accident. And my, my sense in my spirit this morning is that we need to grasp that afresh. That God has sent us here for purpose. The second word is seek. Jeremiah prophesies, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. He says, I've got a purpose for your life, even in Babylon. I've got a purpose and a plan for you to walk into Even where you live, where you haven't chosen to live, even if you hate where you live, I've got a purpose and a heart for you in that place. And he says we are to seek the welfare of Grantham and our region and our nation. And that word welfare in the Hebrew is shalom. 
It means wholeness. It means safety, contentment, prosperity. And in Hebrew thought, shalom refers to relationships and community. It means conforming to God's purposes and desires. It means to have a focus and a desire to see Babylon become a community in which God's aims of love and justice were expressed in all the relationships there. It means to seek shalom in the city. How do we seek? Well, here's a few suggestions. Have an attitude of heart. They want to see the people of this town flourish and prosper regardless of what they believe about God. It means you have a heart for the people of this town. A heart to see this town one for Jesus. It means to know that this town would know the shalom of Yahweh culturally, socially, economically, spiritually. It means we speak well of this town when others put it down. It means we speak blessings over this glorious Grantham that we get to live in. You see, it was once voted, I've been told, the most boring place in in Britain. We need to break that in the name of Jesus. This is a great town. I thank God that he's brought me and my family to live in this place. I'm not saying life's great all the time. I'm not saying every person in this town is, is just perfect. None of us are. But what I do know is God has called us here for purpose. And he loves this town. And he's asking us to love it with his love. It means to have a heart of love and how we pray as well. Seeking prayer. So praying is a seeking expressed in action. He says that in those verses. We're to pray for this town on its behalf. That's massive. Got a responsibility, friend. Call yourself a Christian. Do you pray for this town? Do you step in the gap and pray for this town? Or is it all about you? and your family, and your friends? Or are you praying, God, break into this town, even those I never meet. I want you to know them. I want them to know you. Sorry, I want you to change their lives. And he says to these group of exiles, pray for Babylon on its behalf. Massive. Saying they step into the gap. Take a moment just to see the responsibility we have as born-again children of the king that we get to pray for this town. Even for those who couldn't care less about God, we say, God, come, visit our town again. And I'm sharing all this stuff because unless you've got that, Rise and Build will sound like a building project. Or you'll be cynical, negative. But when you've got the heart of Jesus and it's about people, Suddenly it transforms your perspective. And that's what I'm saying. We've got to seek. And we've got to realize we're sent for such a time as this. And this isn't, this isn't a game. This is a divine purpose and plan that one day we will stand face to face with Jesus and be held accountable for. And so I want to ask us, is this our heart? This morning for this town. And last week, we're just going to look now. Last week, we saw about moving from here to there. Oh, thank you. From here to there. We just celebrated the here. It's great what God's doing. We celebrate. We thank him so much. We've never been healthier. Numerically, financially, in my opinion, spiritually, it's a vibrance and a freshness and a joy in the house. 
that I take, take for granted at all. I thank God for. This is a great place to be, a great community to be part of. And we celebrated the here. We heard testimonies, wonderful testimonies of people who use this building and how God's using projects in this building to touch lives for those who, who don't come on a Sunday yet, who don't know Jesus yet. But there's a platform from which we're expressing the love of God to and saying, God, come. And we celebrated the here, but then we said, but we feel God has taken us there. Ho, ho. We're there, across a live, many locations, a church of 5,000. 5,000 individuals. Jesus wept over Lazarus, an individual. He wept over a city. Hundreds of thousands, perhaps. And we looked at the there. We want to see this town transformed. I want to see a genuine revival in this town. That, that stirs something. And we can't make it happen. It's a sovereign work of God. But my hunger is God come. Let's see tens of thousands saved. That would shake us up. I'll tell you what, we need a lot more connect group leaders. Whoa, come on, God. We saw the, the move of God in this place. We want to walk alongside every church in this town. No competition, no agenda, just Jesus. We're here to see this town reached for Christ. And we saw about how in this location, a church of 500 plus, multiple services on a Sunday, this building used throughout the week to express the love and the, and the grace of Jesus to those who may never even think about him coming into this platform that we've been given and to share the love of Jesus with people throughout the week, to share people, to encourage people in their walk with him through Alpha, Freedom in Christ, other things, to share the love of God practically through butterflies, messy church, rhyme time, lunch club, all those sort of things, and to go out with the love of God from this place. To use this building as a kingdom resource, to use for room hire, not, not to get the money in to spend on, on anything meaningless, but to get the money in to plow into kingdom ministry and to see this do more and more as a church. And that's the there. That's what I'm hungry for. And when we get there, there'll be something else for us to move on to. But I want us to see the size of the there this morning, that that is where we're heading to. And last week, we just shared about the fact that if we're going to go there, the building can't stay here. If that's genuinely where we're wanting to go and praying for and hungering for, we cannot stay here for several reasons that we shared last week. The first reason is the fact that uh, we need a roof survey. We need to make sure that this roof is secure before we really do anything else, in a sense. We also need to sort out the heating in the second bit of that, the, 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 the half of that building there, that half of the building, so that when we run lunch club, we can effectively heat every room. And it's not a case of trying to get the electric heaters in because there's not enough gas supply and the heating is insufficient. We want to insulate, decorate, transform the coffee lounge into an excellent space, but also reduce the, the waste, as it were, of heating that's in that place because it's not insulated or double glazed. We want to look after that room and make it a statement of who we are as a church. And then we thought about the junk room, as we call it, <laughs> and transforming that off the coffee lounge into a workable, functional area. So as we grow, we've got more space for groups and more office space as the staff team expands. And then we just saw how the people flow is such an issue. That's like a little turnstile that we've got to walk through. And when there's 200 on a Sunday, it's hard. But I tell you what, when there's 350, 400 on a Sunday with multiple services, that's insufficient. We can't stay here if we're going there. 
And then we saw about the reception welcome area throughout the week that we haven't got anywhere we can, with, a, with excellence and, and a, a sense of honoring people as they come in, welcome them in a way that's effective. And so we said, for all these reasons, we can't stay here if we're going there. And then we just shared in the brochure that over the last year, this, the building vision team with Dave Dunbar and Ben Martin and Alison and myself, we, we've thought about there. Well, I've shared there, and then these absolute brain bots when it comes to architecture and buildings and stuff just said, well, this is what I think we could do. And we started a journey. And that's where we're at this morning. And so Rise and Build is all about vision and people and going there. And so if you can grab your brochures, you can see that we've got several focuses for Rise and Build this year. And it's phase one and phase two, because this is a, a miracle offering we're looking at. It's a huge thing that we're going for. And in the first phase, the first thing is we want to pioneer this new location in Gainsborough and bring in, bring in continued investment into future locations. We want to solve the heating. We want to do that roof survey. And we're going to come back to, to the new reception entrance of Cascade in a moment. But we're going to do the coffee lounge as well. And we're going to transform this building. It won't be perfect, but it will help us to move from here to there in a way that at the moment we can't. And we just want to share a bit about Gainsborough. Again, we weep over those that we don't even know or won't even never meet. It's what Jesus did in that sense when he wept over Jerusalem. And so as we step into Gainsborough, we're doing this with our heart for people. And so let's watch this DVD, just introduce Gainsborough. This time last year at Rise and Build 2018, we together invested in the launch of Alive Academy. Some of the first fruits of Alive Academy are the raising of John and Judy Swanock as location pastors of a brand new location of Alive, launching in September into the town of Gainsborough. Here's John and Judy to tell you more. We love Gainsborough. It's full of beautiful people that God loves and that we love as well. So we've been talking about Gainsborough for a long time now and it's so exciting to say that it's no longer a conversation we are actually planting. We are launching on Sunday the 8th of September with a Sunday afternoon service. We've also got our connect groups running and we're working with the social engagement projects in the community. Your kindness, commitment and generosity to rise and build this year is going to enable Alive Church to plant a location here in Gainsborough, bringing hope, salvation and healing as we raise new disciples in this town. We would love it if you would continue to pray with us. We're so excited about what God is doing here in Gainsborough. Alive Church, I want to thank you for your investment today. Together, we're partnering for the launch of a location of Alive into Gainsborough. This year really is a year of multiplication. God encourages us to seek the peace and prosperity of the places we find ourselves, to pray for it, because if it prospers, so too will we. And that's what we're looking for Gainsborough. We want Gainsborough to know that we love this town. Great. It's exciting, isn't it? And so we're going to be launching into Gainsborough. And uh, as we shared last week, this is really the start of the journey about exploring how we can solve the people flow and the welcome and reception area. And we shared a, an option 
that we're at. We haven't spent any money on it. We haven't sort of gone any further than just exploring the option. If we could just go to the next slide. And the op... Yeah, no, back one. Thank you. And so the option here, the coffee lounge is in that color because that's phase one. That's what we're going to really focus on first. But the second part was to develop this entrance here to build a reception area with a canopy, but to open it up so that actually we can welcome people throughout the week. There can be an excellence. There can be core values that we hold, like invitation on honoring people and, and being a place where people come and feel loved. And so during the week at the moment, we welcome people in the corridor, which is rubbish. We can't stay there. Start, can't stay here if we're going to go there with the corridor welcome. And so we want to open that up. And basically what we're exploring is potentially, and again, it's just an option, is to cut the platform down here, to extend it that way, and then to knock through here a double door. So immediately, as people walk into that reception area, they can either come straight in here or they go straight into the, the coffee lounge. And so it's all about people flow. It's all about excellence. It's all about welcoming people and enabling us to be the church that can go there and ensuring this building doesn't stay here. Now, there's lots of questions for that, and so that will be a process and a journey once we walk into that. That we'll communicate, we'll go on together. But we wanted to share it because you want to see the option of, of what we're looking at, that this building cannot really stay here if we're going to go there. Does that make sense? And so please do speak to David Dunbar or to Ben Martin or to Alison, uh, and really fourthly myself, about this sort of practical stuff because they're the guys who've really got it on the ball with that. But that's where we're heading. And I want to finish. In a moment, we're going to take up our first offering for Rise and Build. And we're going to share a bit about that. But I just want to just share. You guys still with me? Um, I want to share two things that I felt God put on my heart. Paul, uh, Jeremiah said the flourishing community was the second point. He said, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Eugene Peterson just paraphrases it. When things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. I love that. And so I want us to have a heart, a genuine heart for this town. I want us to have Jesus' heart for this town. And 12 years ago, there were people in Lincoln who had a heart for Grantham. Didn't know you, you will never meet you. But over 10 years, I would imagine something of at least £100,000 was ploughed in by people from Lincoln to see this church launched and established in Grantham. And I want us to capture something of that heart as we're stepping into this new season here. That it isn't about those that we already know. It's about the 44,000, as it were, in this town who don't yet know Jesus. And 200 years ago, it's the anniversary, in 1819, a small group of people had a heart to see Grantham One for Christ. And they met on a cottage where Sainsbury's now is. And they began to worship Jesus and pour out their lives and their hearts for him. And in 1821, a guy called James Mountford came to lead that group. They began meeting in a barn on Wharf Road and a house on Spitalgate. And suddenly there was a move of the Holy Spirit in that small group of people. And suddenly they saw many, many people saved. And they decided to build their own building. And this guy, James Mountford, <laughs> I mean, I get nervous talking, but not so much now. I used to get nervous talking about money in front of people who know me and love me. 
This guy, James Mountford, knocked on every single door in Grantham asking if they'd give money towards a church building. I mean, that's, that's courage, isn't it? <laughs> and he went and they raised 600 pounds, which was a lot of money in those days. And they built their first church building on Union Street. And they built a chapel, which is actually still there. It's opposite Asda. It's now the antique center, I think. And in 1823, they moved into that building with a vision and a passion to see this town one for Jesus. In a space of a few months, God had so blessed the church that outgrown this building, and they moved to an even bigger building. They purchased on a garden on the south side of Mobeck, which is called Chapel Street, which I don't think is there anymore. And in 1823, they built a chapel in a schoolroom at the cost of 2,300 pounds. And they were on an adventure. And uh, this is not a comment before I say this about St. Wolfram's, okay? But the vicar of St. Wolfram's at the time publicly slammed them, saying what a waste of money. They'd never filled them. And God had other ideas. And over the next 45 years, God continued to bless this church that outgrown so much of the building. If we go to the next slide, the one back, sorry, two back. Oh, I haven't put it on. Sorry, it's my fault. Um, They'd outgrown this, this building. They, um, they appointed a guy called William Goldie to become the minister of the church. And between 1819 and 1867, this group had grown from a small group in a cottage where Sainsbury now is to 600 people loving Jesus. And they searched for a space to build a building. And they found a plot of land which Cheney House used to be on, which was demolished. They purchased the land... And together they invested in building a building that people could meet and see their lives touched by heaven. And that's the building we're sat in this morning. If we just go to the next slide now. They invested. And you can see the little cornerstone thing outside with the little plaque on it. And I just want to say that my prayer is that 200 years ago a group sat in a cottage with a heart to see this one for Jesus. What could happen if 250 plus people captured that heart of being sold out for seeing this town one for him too? We can do anything. Just one touch from the king changes everything. That's God calling us now, saying to get ready. But in a moment, we're going to take up the offering. And if you're not prepared for this week then please don't feel embarrassed. Don't rush it. Turn off your mobile phones. Um, But we're going to take a moment where we're going to fill in these forms and give. But it is all about people. It's all about having a heart to see this town, this region, this nation, one for Jesus. And because sometimes it's hard to be clear on how to give, um, We've got the two forms that should be on all your, your chairs. And we're just going to watch a short video that just explains in a way probably far better than I could <laughs> to help us understand how we fill those in this morning and take it from there. So let's watch this together.